When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is going on, Laker fans? Thank you very much for being a part of the show. Uh, we will go till 8 o'clock tonight. A little different in tonight's show. Um, I'm not going to have a guest on. I want to take as much of an opportunity, first off, to just get through a bunch of topics that I personally have. And then on top of that, give a chance for Laker fans to call in and give their uh, opinion on, obviously, what has uh, taken place over the last couple of days, Lakers hiring uh, Darvin Ham as their new head coach. So we're going to end up um, taking a lot of phone calls from Laker fans. So let me give everybody just a quick preview of the show. Um, we'll talk Darvin Ham. We'll talk why we think the Lakers picked him as the head coach. Seems like he's going to have some freedom, which I think is a little bit different than potentially the position that Frank Vogel was in. So we'll get a chance to get into that. I think expectations are going to be interesting because here's somebody that has is, is walking into a position where there's a ton of questions around this Los Angeles Lakers roster. So obviously Lakers got some work to do this offseason. Um, read a couple articles over the last couple days. What if Russ remains as a Laker? What does Darvin Ham do in that situation? What length should the Lakers go to move Russ? I think that's another one of Lakers. You, you're reading reports out there of they're, they're not willing to give up assets in order to trade Russ. And then uh, I want to talk about the NBA Finals because I think it's going to be fantastic. That starts on Thursday, and you can listen to that uh, right here, obviously, on this uh, on 710 ESPN. So uh, a lot to get into. First off, we'll start off the show with this. A quick congratulations to, obviously, Darvin Ham. So seems like the right guy. Um, I- I'm going to base it off of a couple of things, but I don't think, you know, it usually doesn't happen where – you feel like from a fan perspective, a media perspective, a player perspective, where there's really kind of a very positive feedback on the hiring of somebody that's never coached an NBA game. What I'm talking about, never coached NBA game, has never been a head coach yet. That's your squad, not an assistant. This is your squad, and he has, uh, he has yet to do that in the NBA. And I point that out because um, – now, even if all the media was against this, or even if fans hate or whatever the case is, I think it's unique that you have somebody that's coming in into a situation that the Lakers are coming out of last season, 16 games below 500. Uh, what many thought they'd be competing for an NBA championship, at the absolute worst, top four, top five team in the West, and uh, obviously health was going to play a big part of it, but that's not the that's not the situation that Darvin Ham is walking into. So, first off, on that, um, it seems like he's the right guy, without him ever being a head coach somewhere else. If Terry Stotts came in for the position, I think we all would have an idea of what Terry Stotts is, who he is, what he brings to the table, his resume in the NBA. If Kenny Atkinson came in, again, kind of similar. Um, we would have – I know it's a smaller – it's a shorter sample size, but we would have an idea. We know Doc Rivers. You know Quinn Snyder. You know some of these other coaches out there. Darvin Ham is the unique one. 
He's never been a head coach, and if you look at just his resume, played eight, eight seasons in the NBA, won a championship actually back in 2004 with the Pistons, was an assistant coach here with the Lakers from 2011 to 2013, assistant coach under Mike Budenholzer with the Hawks and the Bucks, and that was eight or nine years or so, and then, of course, we know last year he was a part of that assistant coaching crew that won a championship with the Milwaukee Bucks. Um you know, one of the things that stood out to me, and I was telling Travis this morning, we're doing our show. One of the things that stood out to me was how quick there were players out there responding, giving their love to Darvin Ham. Um, LeBron obviously being one of them, very quick, very positive, very excited that Darvin Ham's going to coach the Lakers. Uh, it's a four-year contract, by the way, that, that he's going to get. Still nothing official. I know we're running with this. Um, still nothing from the Lakers. I thought maybe we'd hear something from the Lakers today to make it official, uh, but that has not happened yet. Um, how about Giannis? Giannis uh, showing love. Uh, so it, these are not just former players. These are arguably the best players currently today that are going out of their way to talk about how they're excited. LeBron, Giannis being another one. And then I listened to uh, uh, Draymond, uh, Draymond Green has Props to that dude. He's got a fantastic podcast. I could listen to that guy all day long. Uh, he went out of his way. I guess he's from the same hometown as Darvin Ham, but he really went out of his way about how much he loves the hire, such a prestigious franchise, and for Darvin Ham to come in and kind of steer the wheel there, um, that's uh, I, I think leads to a lot of excitement. Here's the reality. As much as you know, I want to sit here and uh, be positive about the hire, we truly, truly don't know what Darvin Ham's going to be in the NBA. So we could feel good about it. We could be positive about it. The reality is we don't have a template here. There is not, well, remember when Darvin Ham was a head coach for the Hawks? Or remember when he was a head coach for Washington? We don't have one of those. So this is kind of a little bit blind. And I think part of this, you know, when I think about it, um, I think there's a, a part of me that part of the excitement is the fact that we don't, there's the unknown of this. There's the, uh, well, what if he's one of these former players that's able to come in in the league and have instant impact or one of these first-year coaches that's able to come in the league and have instant impact? And we've seen that in the NBA. We're, we're seeing it. Um, I mean, you look at the NBA final. Steve Kerr, if you remember, his first year as a head coach in the NBA, he took the Warriors to uh, the NBA finals Um uh, Udoka, obviously, the Boston Celtics, this is his first year. They're going to the NBA Finals. And I'm not telling you that that's a perfect example because I'm sure there's a long list of coaches that come in their first year, and it takes time. Jason Kidd took time. Luke Walton just got a, uh assistant coaching gig with the Cavaliers. That's after two head coaching gigs that he had with the Lakers and the Kings that obviously didn't go as planned. So um, I do believe that part of the excitement is the unknown, and we're going to have to obviously wait and see. Uh, what happens from here. So the the other piece of this, I mentioned that Darvin Ham is he's getting a four-year deal. So Vogel, if you guys remember, when he was initially signed with the Lakers, it was a three-year deal. Um, I, I thought this was interesting. I thought that um, the fact that he's getting a four-year deal, uh, the fact that I'm going to read something off. Mark Stein had this on, the, on his Substack newsletter, which, by the way, is fantastic. I mean, Mark Stein... Um, has just done some fantastic reporting on Substack. It's a four-year deal, according to multiple reports, and that Ham, I'm going to read exactly a quote from Mark Stein. 
Ham has likewise been promised the autonomy to pick his coaching staff and is said to have received assurances that Lakers senior advisor Kurt Rambis will not be regular presence in coaching meetings like he was with Vogel. If those promises came to fruition and Ham actually receives all that latitude, they will rank as significant concessions secured by a first-time NBA head coach. Okay, my quick opinion on this portion of it. Um, it sounds like he's got the freedom. It sounds like he has the ability to do what he thinks is in the best interest of the team. Now, I'm not telling you that there's not going to be – first off, just taking the Laker, Laker gig right out the gate, um, this is not a normal gig. The Lakers were eliminated on April 10th. I want, I want Laker fans to think about this for a quick second because whether you tune in all day long to 710 ESPN and you're listening to all our shows um, or you're listening to First Take or Undisputed or wh- wherever you get any of your um, sports feed – you really can't go very far without the Lakers being brought up. And I mentioned that this is such a unique gig. You know, you go get your first job, and it's with the Sacramento Kings. I don't have to explain to you guys how different that is. You go get your first job, and it's with the Clippers. You stay here in L.A., but it's 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 Ty Lue with the Clippers. And I know that wasn't his first gig, but I'm just using that as another franchise as an example. Um, go down the list. Memphis, Toronto. I don't care the franchise. When you have the keys to the Los Angeles Lakers franchise, everyone is paying attention to you. Every single move that the Lakers make or don't make or are thinking about making is on a national stage and a national platform, and it is dissected in 55 different ways. And as somebody that, you know, I've obviously had the unique opportunity over these last few years to really, really cover the Lakers this is nothing new. I already knew this, how much this team is um, is always under uh, uh, a, a microscope. But I think in this situation for Darvin Ham, it will be unique because he is going to be walking into a situation that the questions in the pregame, the questions in the postgame, the chatter outside of the practice facility, the chatter on all these national, tele- uh, national shows. So April 10th, when the Lakers lost, or they won their final game, but their season officially ended April 10th. Think about how many stories in this past, what has it been? 50 days since the Lakers were, you know, uh, since their season ended. I mean, I don't know how many different angles and topics and stories you could have on the Lakers, and that's something that Darvin Ham's going to walk into. When we come back, I want to spend a little time on this. Expectations for Darvin Ham coming into his first year, his expect- the expectations for somebody walking into a gig where you don't really have this runway. You're not, you're not really kind of sitting here and say, hey, Darvin, take your time. The first year, don't worry about it. Not a big deal. Hey, you know what? Two years in, just start showing a little bit of improvement. But by that third year, we're really going to see something. We obviously all know that that's not the runway that Darvin Ham's going to have. That's not the perception of the Lakers this upcoming season. And I think it's interesting to talk about some of those expectations. So we'll do that coming up next. I appreciate you guys being a part of the show. If you want to call in and talk Lakers basketball here, I invite everybody to be a part of the show. 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-ESPN. Stay right here. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. 
from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. I appreciate you guys uh, being a part of the show. By the way, if you have not yet downloaded the ESPN LA app, uh, give it a shot. It's fantastic. Whether you want this show or you want any of the other shows that we do, uh, of course, it will all end up at the podcast. But it's just a clean, clean listen, uh, so I encourage you to do that. We're talking about uh, Darvin Ham, obviously the new coach of the Lakers. So I was mentioning expectations. Let, let me let me do my piece quick uh, here on the expectations portion of this, and then I want to take some Laker phone calls. Um, so it's kind of funny because you guys remember when Luke Walton got his first coaching gig with the Lakers. And he was an assistant with the Golden State Warriors. Remember, he was also filling in as an interim coach at a time when Steve Kerr Kerr had those back issues. And um, and Luke Walton seemed like he did a great job. And then the Lakers were in an interesting position because when they hired Luke Walton, you, you were just every single year was about what draft pick are you going to have? We would all get excited about the draft lottery and see what the Lakers were going to pick and what guy are they going to take and is there a real gem in this draft? And uh, three years in a row, you had the number two pick. There wasn't really this pressure on Luke Walton. Hey, you got to win right away. It was develop this. Make by the time this year is done, make us better than we were at training camp. Make Laker fans feel that wow, there's. We're building something here. It might take a second. There's hope along the way. And then by the time you're done with your second year, make that first year look like that is so far in the past, and look at where the Lakers are going. That was when Luke was hired. That was part of the expectation. It didn't have to be done right away. Now you look at the expectations for Darvin Ham. Damn, is it completely, completely different than what those expectations were uh, back then. And that just comes with the territory. And, of course, Darvin Ham accepting the gig and trying to get the gig. He understands what it is. Um, but I think there's so much that is going to happen between tonight right now where we're sitting here at 7.19 p.m. And we're not even at June 1st yet. And the moment you get to training camp, uh, what will that be? Probably in late September, early October, something along those lines. So many questions still left about this Lakers franchise. You might have checked one box on that list, and it's okay. You need a head coach. Darvin Ham is now your head coach. You could check that box. But here are all the other question marks that I have. So much of those expectations are going to depend on this roster. Who is on this team? Do those players complement your stars? Do you have the right role players that... Um, understand their role and understand how they can help the Lakers win a game. Do those players have individual, um, do they have, are there priorities about their own individual career? Not to say that not every player doesn't have those priorities, but is there also this, no, 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 we got our team priorities. That takes the priority over everybody else. Are there too many cooks in the kitchen? I mean, these are just a couple of the questions that just right out the gate, I have in my mind, and, you know, this is obviously just coming from somebody who's a Laker fan and covers the Lakers. So I think as we start looking at expectations for Darvin Ham, let's not even get that far. 
How about the expectations of what the front office does from today to by the time training camp starts? Because that's what I'm really, truly, genuinely paying attention to. That, to me, is more important than Darvin Ham just coming to be the head coach of the Lakers. Because that roster, go look at what that Western Conference is going to throw at you next year. Go look at uh, put the Golden State Warriors. I'm not even going to talk about them. They're in the NBA Finals. They've been in the Finals six of eight years. Denver's going to eventually, eventually get back Jamal Murray and Michael Porter, Michael Porter Jr. The Clippers, I mean, the Clippers are a perfect example. Just stay here in L.A. If Kawhi and PG are healthy and they're ready to go, what are they going to look like? Phoenix, even if even though they blew that game seven and everything looked awful and they were down 40, whatever the case is, that's a good basketball team, as are the Dallas Mavericks, as are the Memphis Grizzlies. So that, that to me, when, when we start kind of paying attention to expectations for Darvin Ham. Take all those questions into account. It's also going to come down to, depending on the health of the Los Angeles Lakers, which I know nobody really has control of, is AD going to be playing 40 games? AD going to be playing 65, 70 games? Because that right there is the difference of you making the playoffs or not making the playoffs. And then, of course, LBJ. He'll be going into his 20th season in the NBA. So um, it's... The way I kind of looked at it, Friday night when that news came down and the Lakers were going to hire Darvin Ham, it was like, okay, hey, I'm I'm excited about this. I'm excited about uh, somebody that's getting a lot of positivity. But, damn, there are so many more questions that need to be answered. And that's kind of how I view the Lakers in a nutshell right now. Okay, let's take take some phone calls. Let's go to Mario, who's calling all the way out in San Antonio. Mario, appreciate you calling in. What's going on? Hey, how's it going? Yeah, this is Mario from San Antonio. But uh, I just want to chime in for a minute. And I'm, a, I'm a huge Lakers fan, but I, of course, live here in San Antonio. And I, I'm looking at it kind of like you are as far as the roster goes. You know, I think, you know, Ham is a great hire. But unfortunately, he's like a Mercedes Benz without an engine. You know, uh, you have no draft capital. You have no cap space, and where where do he start to build his team from? Mm-hmm. He needs a starting center. He needs a starting point guard. Uh, so the big question is that where do he start? Where where do we start trying to build? Okay, Mar- Mario, that that's th- those are good questions, and I'm going to jump in here, and I appreciate you calling into the show. Those are fair questions. And to be honest with you, that's not for Darvin Ham, right? The, those questions are for – that's for Rob Palenka. That's for the front office. I've mentioned Palenka so much since the since we got to the offseason. I've mentioned that I, – I, I think I've mentioned him more than some of – I think I probably mentioned him more than Anthony Davis, which is probably ridiculous. But I always I always mention Rob Palenka because I've said that this is, this is Rob Palenka's summer. He is um, – the, the position that the Lakers are in, and whether people want to say, oh, well, you traded for us and it was a mistake, and that's because LeBron and Clutch won and whatever the case. No, no, no. You're president of basketball operations. That's Rob Palenka. That's a guy that's making this decision to go get Darvin Ham. If it works out really, really well, then you should give Rob Palenka a lot of credit. And if it doesn't work out well, then you should point the finger at Rob Palenka. That's his hire. And, and all those that say, well, you know, it's it's tough to do his job because – Magic is giving his opinion, and Phil is an advisor, and Kurt Rambis has an opinion, and you turn over this way, and somebody else has an opinion. 
I get it. That's fine. I mean, it's every name that I just mentioned, these are obviously big-time names. Certainly the Magic piece of it, the LeBron and Clutch piece of it, um, the Phil Jackson piece of it. But at the end of the day, it's your job to make these decisions. So, Mario, to go what you're referring to right there, and you're talking about, well, what are they going to do at center? What are they going to do at point guard? What are they going to do with the rest of their roster? I don't have an answer for you, but what I can tell you, that's not something that's going to come down to Darvin Ham. That's something that's going to come down to Rob Palenka. Let's take another call here. Let's go to Daniel in Santa Monica. Daniel, what's going on? Daniel, you there, bud? All right, looks like we looks like we lost Daniel. Um, so I, I guess ultimately at the end of the day, there's a couple different ways to judge this hire. And I think in this instance, it's really, really difficult to say much right now. You can like the idea. You can like the concept. You could like his resume as an assistant coach. You could like that he won a championship as a player. And you could like that he won a championship as an assistant coach when he was with the Bucks. He was with good systems. Mike Budenholzer um, uh, runs a good system. So I- I'm glad that he's been associated to all that. But now that you're the head coach of the Lakers, you kind of put all that out the window now. And we'll see what he can do once uh, he takes the reins of this Lakers team. Okay, Laker fans. Um, I, I, this has come up uh, today. I, I want to say it came up maybe yesterday, but certainly it, it's been a conversation today. I got a couple topics I want to talk about in regards to Russell West, uh, Russell Westbrook when we come back. So one question I'm going to throw out to Laker fans is, um, what if Russ is a Laker? What does Darvin Ham do in that situation? How do you use Russ? Because there were some reports there that uh, there were some reports earlier today that um, the Lakers could be kind of sitting back and saying, okay, it's seeming, it's feeling more and more like Russ is going to be a part of this Lakers roster. And then something I kind of, I, I really, the best way that I could put it, um, I'm not buying what I keep hearing about the Lakers not willing to give up assets to get rid of Russ. I really, truly am not buying it. I'm going to tell you why when we come back. So we'll do that coming up next. Stay right here. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. I hope you guys all enjoyed your uh, three-day weekend. Lakers talk obviously moves to Tuesday. Next week, back on Monday, 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. Um... I'm excited about these NBA Finals. i got to be honest with you, Laker fans. I, when I say I'm excited, I think it's a really, really good matchup. So I'm going to talk Russ right now, a little bit later in the show, 
We'll talk about the NBA Finals. A uh, little concern there that the Celtics might actually win this thing. Um, okay, so here's uh, here's another thing I want to get into. So I mentioned this about um, I mentioned this about Russ. So I'm, I'm going to read. There was a, a report earlier that um, again, this is just speculation that the Lakers um, are insisting that they would rather keep Russ uh, on the roster for next season than give up additional assets. Um, Mark Stein had wrote this. Uh, the Lakers are also said to be adamant that they won't release the former MVP and eat his $47.1 million player option for next season after Westbrook picks it up. Um, so I, I want to play out a scenario. First off, uh, I don't believe it. I mean, that's just the best way that I can put it. I don't believe it. I don't believe that the Lakers would not give up additional assets if they thought um, it would improve their roster next season. I don't need to get into all the specifics of why I don't think trying again, trying Russ again with LeBron and Anthony Davis, why I don't think that's going to work. I think last season spoke for itself. Now, if you want to say this comes down to a coach and the reason why it didn't work was because of Coach Vogel or his relationship with Russ, you can go ahead and do that. I think there were, even if let's just say there were parts of that could be true um, based upon Russ's relationship with Frank Vogel. By the way, I think that's a stretch to, to assume that that's why, that's part of the reason why it didn't work. Uh, for me personally, tell me where there was light last year watching Russ LeBron and Anthony Davis. Tell me where that light was. Because if there was light and I just didn't see it, then my fault for what I'm doing because I didn't, I didn't, I guess, assess it as good as I should. And this is somebody that was excited about Russ coming to the Lakers, and I've already explained 50 different times why I thought it might work. Just as concerning watching Russ, LeBron, and Anthony Davis together, who, by the way, went 11-10 and 10 in those 21 games, just as concerning as that, Watch when just Russ and LeBron played. Watch when just Russ and AD played. It never jived. It just didn't. And I'm not here trying to point fingers. What happened last year happened last year. But when I read these reports that the Lakers, oh, no, no, they don't want to give up another asset if if they're going to give up Russ. I mean, I, I don't know. I cannot tell you how much I just don't believe that. And if that is the case and they're not willing to give up another asset, um, and they're going to take their chances with having Russ next season, then I'm just going to kind of, you know, let, let me let me kind of walk through this because the way I look at it is this. LeBron's going into his 20th season next year. 20th season. LBJ already delivered a championship for the Los Angeles Lakers franchise, which is why they're tied with the Celtics right now at 17 apiece. So if LeBron doesn't win another one the rest of his career – Mission accomplished. I appreciate everything he's done so far with the Lakers. Um, He helped them win championship number 17. But LeBron is going into his 20th year next year. You're going to tell me that the Lakers still, as we sit here, top priority is not to have some playoff games, to obviously compete for a championship. Obviously, even LeBron, when he passes Kareem next year as the uh, all-time leading scorer in the NBA Don't you want to do that in meaningful games? I'm not buying that LeBron going into his 20th season that the Lakers are worried about, you know, an asset or two. They were 16 games below 500 last year. 
Um, I've already talked about how stacked the Western Conference is, that you have to improve your roster. You have to do something that you feel like is in the best interest of your roster. And I'm not telling you that teams are lining up to go trade for Russ. I know they're not. But where teams might come in and say, you know what, we might help the Los Angeles Lakers. We might help them because not only is it an expiring contract, but maybe we got some draft compensation or whatever the case is. You're going to tell me, and, and just kind of stacking onto this as well, how disappointing the fan base was last season, the expectations that we all thought, and then the product that we actually got. You're going to tell me with all that on the line, you're going to stop at a 2027 draft pick or a 2029 draft pick or a Talon Horton Tucker. I mean, Laker fans, I don't know how else to explain it. I'm not buying it. I'm just not. And if this is a poker play and you want other teams to think that you're not going to give up draft compensation and all that other stuff, well, they could do whatever the you know, they could do what they think is in the best interest of the franchise, but Man, do I find it very, very difficult to believe that a team that has gone all in, literally for four years have gone all in. Go back to when LeBron signed with the Lakers. And then the trades that they made since LeBron got here. And the assets that they gave up. And then the trade for Anthony Davis. And then other ways trying to improve the roster. And then going out and getting Russ. Now you're going to stop all of a sudden at a 2027 first rounder or a 2029 first rounder. I I just, I find it very difficult to believe that if a deal is not out there that improves the Lakers for the next year to two years, that gives them the role players that they're looking for, that kind of clears the air a little bit, and you have a new coach coming in, um, I think that common, I I think the, the weight of all that I just I, I've never I've never paid attention to this. Well, they're not going to give up additional compensation because I will tell you what what I think will happen if they come back with the same roster or you know the the big three: Russ, LeBron, and Anthony Davis. Um, can it change? Yeah, I guess it can. I guess it can change a little bit. Um, a lot of that's going to have to do with Anthony Davis's health. A lot of that's going to do with LeBron still being able to do what he did last year, and LBJ was doing that in his 19th season um, to have to do it again in his 20th season. And let's not pretend LeBron, you know, one of the reasons why, first off, LeBron didn't win the scoring title, period, but he didn't even qualify for it because he also missed some games. It's not like LeBron was playing 75 games. So I I think there's a combination of that stuff, and every time I kind of – I hear that chatter or those rumors or whatever the case is. I just stop for a second. I'm like, I don't understand. Um, I don't understand how the Lakers all of a sudden now would stop at something like this. Let's go to Marcus in Burbank. Marcus, what's going on? You're on Lakers talk. Hey, what's going on? How you doing? I'm good, man. Thanks for calling in. Oh, uh, well, I was wanted to chime in. I said uh, what I was thinking, uh, what I would do. Uh, it could work with those three guys. I mean, obviously, it was a, a tr- tr- you know a tremendously bad season. But if you, you got to run Russ off ball. You got to run him off ball. You got to take the ball out of his hand. He's athletic enough. Uh, he's strong enough, fast enough. If you can get him going off ball, he can be one of the best off ball threats uh, in the game and just get him on runouts. Um, he got to buy into that, though. He got to buy into a system where when the, when the rebound is, is made, he's just got to get out. 
and get in lanes and, and finish that way because he got tremendous athletic ability. He can finish, but he can't have a ball in his hand. If you can do that and get him to spend all summer working on just the mid-range, he don't need to hit threes, just mid-ranges, elbows, different shots around the free throw area. If he can get that going and he can bind to a system where he's an off-ball threat, slashing to the basket, uh, it'll work 100%. Appreciate you calling in. Thank you, Marcus. Thank you for calling. Appreciate it. You know, it's funny. If I asked, if I told Laker fans, hey, how how can we make Russ work? I feel like I would get, I'd get one call like Marcus that says, uh, I'll just have him off ball. Yeah, if he's just off ball and he could run the wings, run up and down the floor, then that's when you can use him best. And then the next caller would say, well, he's got to be on ball because Russ has to be the guy that he was earlier in his career where he's just had those triple doubles. LeBron could adjust to what Russ's strengths are. Russ can't adjust to what LeBron's strengths are. I feel like I'd get three or four different calls of what to do. And you know what that tells me? That I don't think any of us know how to make Russ work with the Lakers. I will say this. If, if hypothetically, Darvin Ham, if he was on the Lakers, I'm sorry, if Russ was on the Lakers with Darvin Ham, um, I, I heard it was, you know, I, I mentioned Draymond Green a little bit earlier. So on his podcast, he was talking about how if there's one thing you can get from Darvin Ham is you can trust that Darvin Ham will do what's in the best interest of the team. And he kind of emphasized that in his podcast. And, you know, one, one of the things I was talking about earlier that I'm a fan of this contract for Darvin Ham uh, it's a four-year deal. Supposedly, he won't have to worry about, you know, obviously um, other people. I mean, I'm, I'm sure Lakers front office, of course, they're going to give their opinion on everything. That's their job. Um, I'm not as worried about that. But he doesn't have to worry about tomorrow. When you got a four-year deal, you don't have to worry about tomorrow. He could potentially be that coach that is part of the present and he's part of the future of whatever that future looks like after LeBron James. The reason why I say that is if Darvin Ham – if Russ was on this Lakers team next season, and like Draymond said, whatever is in the best interest of the team is what Darvin Ham is trying to sell to Russ. I was telling Travis this earlier today. You know, if if you're forced with Russ, there's just nothing you can do. He's going to be on your team, and that's the bottom line. And maybe that has nothing to do with draft compensation. Maybe that has more to do with other teams just aren't interested in Russ. And it just, you know, you leave it at that. Or the Lakers don't feel like whatever move they'd get back would help them this upcoming season of, of competing for a championship. Um, I, I think this portion of it is most important. If Darvin Ham feels like Russ should be a starter, then he should be a starter. If he feels like he should come off the bench, then he should come off the bench. If he feels like he should play 40 minutes, then he should play 40 minutes. If he feels like he should play 10 minutes, then he should play 10 minutes. Whatever helps the team. And that's the question that I never really know from Russ is if he's willing to do that for the team. I get it. There's a pridefulness that, that's part of the game. Um, he's a Hall of Famer, and he feels like he can still be a great contributor in the league and in the NBA. Here's the problem with Russ. We know that he's not that good of a fit with these other players, and he's about to make $47 million this upcoming season. I agree Mark Stein put this out earlier. No, I wouldn't just wave or buy out Russ and say, hey, just go home and make your 47. I wouldn't do that. But at the same time, I would use use Russ in the way that you think is in the best interest. And if that means bringing him off the bench, 
then damn it, he's got to come off the bench. If it means playing him 10 minutes in a game, then let him play 10 minutes. If it means he's having a good game and he's got to play 40, then you leave him in there for 40. But I always kind of found, you know, some frustration in the the way the Lakers never really did anything different last year. It was always the same thing. So that's going to obviously be something that the Lakers um, will have to navigate if he is on the roster. I don't personally buy this whole he's on the he, – you know, that – the Lakers wouldn't give up another asset um, if they thought it made sense for the team. I don't buy that. I mean, you've give, you've been giving up assets for the last four years. You're going to stop when you have five dollars left in your pocket. That just doesn't that doesn't sound like uh, that's something that that makes sense to me. Um, speaking of assets, one other asset. I'm going to read off this tweet because one of the this is Tim on Twitter. One of the uh, you know other assets that the Lakers have aside from those picks would be THT, Tail and Horn Tuck. I'm going to read off a tweet here from somebody. It says, can Allen stop saying THT is young and only 21? I mentioned this earlier in the show uh, when I was doing the show with Travis this morning, so I wanted to bring this back up. He's had enough experience in the league now. He ain't a rookie anymore. Most players become who they are in the NBA by age 22 or 23. How old is John Morant? Um, he is who he is now. Okay, so a couple things on that. There's another perfect example of an asset. Every time I think of THT now, you know what comes to mind? Alex Caruso, that the Lakers chose the right, the wrong player at the wrong time, right? If THT you think has got some promise, some future, we'll put him on a squad. He, THT would have been perfect on that team with Brandon Ingram and uh, Julius Randle and D'Angelo Russell, and Jordan Clarkson, all those guys where you're just developing guys. Not, hey, come be a contributor on a team right out the gate where we need you, where Caruso was that player. Uh, I'm not stopping at any of these assets, to be honest with you. The Lakers window, it could either it's, you know, just barely cracked open left or maybe there's a little bit of wiggle room left. But I don't think if you come in with those three, I, I don't know how much that changes next season. So that part uh, concerns me a little bit. Um, okay, when we come back, I want to preview the NBA Finals here real quick. NBA Finals starts on Thursday. And uh, I think this is actually going to be a really, really good series. And I think there's some similarities between the Celtics and the Warriors. I'll tell you what I'm talking about coming up next. Plus, if you do want to be a part of the show, I'll grab a couple more calls here before we're all done. Uh, you can feel free to call in 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-ESPN. Stay right here. Lakers talk on 710-ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. I appreciate you guys being a part of the show. If you want to get in, 877-710-ESPN. Let's go to uh, Daniel in Santa Monica. Daniel, appreciate you calling in. Uh, thanks, Lee. Thanks for taking my call. Just real quick, you know, I'm a fan of the, the ham hire. Um, but, I, you know, two things, you know, kind of going on with that last caller was, was talking about. I don't think any of it really matters if, if Russ is still in the squad. You know, I think that last year was his opportunity to prove that he could, you know, move without the ball and play some good defense and fill in the gaps. But, you know, I don't, I don't think he knows how. Like, I don't think he knows how to play off-ball defense or, or, or do all those little intangible things. I think he had the opportunity to prove it. And, and you know, we saw the exit interview. It was kind of embarrassing. And I think Ham, 
I think the important thing is that we bring in some, maybe him or maybe his staff, to really have like a dynamic offense. You know, I think the reason why part of our defense was so terrible last year is because we had no offense. Everything was ISO, so everyone had fresh legs to go down and then run the show against us on the other end. So I, I think if we can make these teams work uh, on well, when we have the ball, they're not so fresh. You know what I mean? So that, that's kind of my point. I just I'm really hoping that we don't see Russ. I mean. How are we not shipping THT a pick and rust for Wall and Gordon is kind of crazy. I wanted to, wanted to get your thoughts on that, but thanks so much, Lee. Appreciate it, Daniel. Um, well, kind of a lot to unpack there, and I agree with you. And You know, the fact that Russ at this stage of his career, and I, I did think he had a full season last year, to, um, to show one thing to me that's most important. Can you be an asset? I don't care how it is. Can you be an asset? Can you – find a way to help um, create a winning environment. And I don't think Russ was able to show that. It's not all on Russ. It's not. AD missed 40-plus games. That's not the game plan. Um, You know, LeBron, even though he was averaging 30 points a game, uh, LBJ wasn't having the type of season that he thought he was going to have based upon, I got some help with me. Instead, Bron, every single game, had to put up 30 points. Or like Daniel was mentioning it was so difficult for these guys to to score any points, and when they did, or when they didn't score, other teams were just running on them. But I think with Russ, that's the thing that I care most about: Are you just finding a way to be an asset on the floor? And if you're not, tell me why that changes this upcoming season. You know what teams were doing last year? They were baiting Russ in a league where it is about shooting jumpers, in a league where that mid-range. You know, some people want to talk about mid-range. It's it's not a good part of your game at this point. You're either taking threes or driving the ball the way to the basket. The mid-range was broke. The three was broke. A lot of times, Russ would get to the basket. And he's so busy trying to draw a foul that he would just end up missing layups. So a lot of what I thought we saw last year, I'm not sure how that changes if he's still on this. And and one other one last point, Daniel brought up. He mentioned the um, he mentioned uh, uh. A specific trade. I mentioned John Wall and uh, and Gordon of uh, the Houston Rockets. Um, I think there's some interesting. I mean, I've always looked at that Indiana trade. I thought was most interesting to me. Malcolm Brogdon and Buddy Hield, some type of combination there. Uh, but you're going to have to give up stuff for it. And you know what? You might be taking back a contract that has two or three years attached to it. But at least you break up whatever Russ's contract is. And now, if you're shopping. Uh, a Buddy Heald or a Malcolm Brogdon on their own if things didn't work out, it's a lot easier to shop one of those contracts than obviously the Russ piece of it, the $47 million that he has. Um, okay, uh, we got probably about six, seven minutes left in the show, so I, I do want to get into um, I want to get into the NBA Finals here real quick. So something here that uh, um, is a little bothersome starting on Thursday. Laker fans, I don't think you're going to like this one. I'm kind of worried that the Celtics are going to beat the Warriors. So let me kind of explain what I'm referring to here. I'm excited about the finals. I really am because as somebody who loves the NBA, um, was I rooting for Miami in game seven as if I was uh, from Fort Lauderdale? Probably, probably. But at the same time, um, this is this is a really good matchup. And I don't think you know people are really paying close attention to uh, – I think there's this just, oh, well, the – 
Warriors are going to win it because they have so much more experience. Which, by the way, I, I saw some stat today. Travis and I were doing the show. He's like, look at that stat behind you. We had Sports Center on. It was like 123 NBA Finals games to zero compared. You know, the Warriors compared to uh, compared to uh, the Boston Celtics. So experience could very, very easily, easily win this thing out. Um, but let me just kind of give my perspective on this. First off. There's some similarities here between the two franchises. The Celtics kind of have this six to eight years ago of what the Warriors were. And I'll explain to you what I mean by that. Um, They could be a younger version of the Warrior team. You look at Steph and Clay and Draymond. I think they were all between 24 and 26 years old when they won their first championship. Well, you go look right now at Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Tatum is 24. Jalen Brown is 25 years old. You look at Kerr when he won in his first year as a head coach. You got Udoka obviously stepping into that role his first year as a head coach. Uh, Both teams have built from the draft. You know, one of the things that we talk about, and I know this is not the Lakers. This is not their blueprint. It's clear it's not their blueprint. And most times... That, that has never really been the blueprint of the Lakers. I know you drafted Magic. You drafted James Worthy. I get it. I understand. You drafted, obviously, Kobe. You made a trade on draft night. I get that. But you also have gone out there and been the um, the big, bad franchise that goes and gets what you want. And I think what's so unique about the Golden State Warriors and looking at the Boston Celtics, both of these franchises, uh, and granted, these Celtics are, like I said, it's almost like a newer version of what the Warriors were eight years ago. They drafted guys, and they keep developing them. And they're finding ways to use players inside of a system. And you do have players that obviously, guys like Tatum, guys like Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart is a key piece as well. They have their Marcus Smart would be your Draymond Green. Tatum would be your Steph Curry. And Jalen Brown would be like your Clay Thompson. And I use that as an example because I really truly believe, or I truly believe that there is some similarities between the two franchises. The only difference is there's true size and length for the Celtics. So for a lot of those people out there that are talking about how, um, I know the Warriors are going to be a favorite going into this thing, but I I look at this, um, I just think you have this, Just pay attention here to the path to the NBA Finals. The Golden State Warriors beat Denver without Jamal, a beat-up Denver Nuggets, let's put it that way. A beat-up Memphis Grizzlies and a Dallas Mavericks team that just doesn't have the talent. Like, they're just, that should have been the Phoenix Suns in the Western Conference Finals. It wasn't. Dallas just doesn't have the horses that obviously the Golden State Warriors have. The Celtics went through Brooklyn, Milwaukee, and Miami to get to the NBA Finals. Um, they won a Game 7 on the road. I remember this so vividly because I remember I was doing the uh, Lakers final game, and the Boston Celtics could have laid an egg in their final game to avoid the Brooklyn Nets. And, and Milwaukee sat all their guys. They could avoid them. And, and to be honest with you, I think I, I remember whether I was telling Michael or I was in the post game show, I was saying something something to the effect of, uh, yeah, I would have kind of avoided that smoke, and if I could get the Chicago Bulls in the first round instead of Brooklyn, yeah, I'd have taken that path. Boston didn't do that. Boston said, cool, you know what, we'll take Brooklyn. And you know what eventually happened? They swept Brooklyn. 
They got Milwaukee without Chris Middleton, but Game 7 was where? It was in Boston because they didn't lay an egg in that final regular season game. They have not shook anybody. They just kind of had stood in front of the league and said, we'll take on whoever. Uh, I think it's going to be a fantastic, fantastic NBA Finals. Jason Tatum, uh, Jalen Brown taking on Steph and Clay, and then all these other guys are going to obviously have to contribute. Andrew Wiggins, to me, is going to be so important for the Golden State Warriors. Keep an eye out on that. But I'm looking forward to the NBA Finals coming up this Thursday. And uh, I think for how bad the playoffs have been, I think we're going to get a good uh, – I know we've had so many blowouts, not to say that that can't happen in the finals, but I think we're actually going to get some good games. And I fear – I fear that the Celtics might just win the whole thing here. So we'll see what uh, we'll see what eventually happens. All right, a uh, quick shout-out. Thank you to Mario Ruiz. Thank you to Laura Romo. Appreciate everybody that called into the show. You can catch the Lakers Talk podcast on ESPN LA in the app. LA, have a great rest of your night.